Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. You gotta give us a shot. You know what? You gotta give us a shot. Excuse me one second. Hey, whoever's got that, turn that off. Just turn that off. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to a whole new episode of Clapback Sports. That's right. We are back fresh off 4th of July weekend. Even if you hate fireworks, you're going to love this episode. So, guys, I fucking missed you. What is up? How was your holiday? I don't care who goes first. I'm just excited to see It was great. Fun. I can't wait. This is a Giants podcast. We all have our fingers still. I know it might be too soon for the joke, but we're here and we have... 30, right? 30 combined fingers. I think my math jacks out. Unless one of you guys are missing one, I don't know about. But uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I miss you guys, too. Missed you, boys. Missed those beautiful, shining faces. You know, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed right now. I had last week off from work. Uh, didn't watch any Yankees baseball. So I uh, haven't really had any stress factors in my life lately. So um, I'm ready to go with my dudes. I want you to know my 4th of July. Uh, it was great. Yanks Mets played a doubleheader. Of course, the uh, Mets won the first game and I felt like they checked down the second game. I think they could have won it and completed the sweep, but they didn't. They only won the series, Murph. Unfortunately, they only won it. Um, Chapman blew a game. It was great. Uh, but at that point, I was surrounded by a lot of Yankee fans and I kind of felt a little, a little out of place, guys. I'm not going to lie. I think the Mets, as much as the Mets are taking over the town, now I just feel like Yankees fans are just... I don't know. They're going to resort to violence soon. That's what I'm getting at. I think they're going to resort to violence soon. They're losing their mind. Imagine going to a Yankees game. No, no, thank you. They play in uh, – So City those, those people that you're around, jokes on them, bro. Yeah. Those pinstripes don't do the same anymore, though. Well, SNY put it out. Um, it was the first game of the doubleheader after Pete Alonso hit that home run in the uh, top of the ninth against Chapman. They, Yankee Stadium erupted into cheers. I mean, it's never been like that. Never. That's how bad the Yankees are doing this year. And let's face it, the Yankees are still hovering around 500. Why the fuck does Chapman smile every time he blows a save? Can anybody tell me? <laughs> Dude, he did it against the Astros, infamously, right? But he did it against the Mets, and he did it uh, like a week ago when he gave up a, a game-tying Grand Slam. They, well, they lost They lost that game. They blew the lead. It was Chapman's fault, but he gave up the Grand Slam. He's fucking smiling. He what is this? What is so too. fucking funny? If Diaz smiled, notice Diaz will never smile for good reason. <laughs> for, for good fucking reason. Well, we got LaCastro, bro, so we're going to the World Series. So huge moves, big moves. Got three guys slashing over 300 in AAA, but – no reason to call them up. But look, for as good as the Mets are doing, we technically, Mage, have no all-stars. We have Pete in the home run derby. DeGrom was supposed to start, but he's not playing, and we don't have another one. So Yeah, good for him. He didn't look at his last start against Milwaukee. Um, and he had like 10, 12 Ks, which is great. He did, but I, I think he needs rest. I think there's something wrong with him. Um, I'm glad that he's kind of not pitching in the all-star game, even though it'll probably only be one inning. Give him the well-needed rest that he uh, that he needs. I love that P. Alonso is going to be in the home run derby. I mean, he got it started early against the Yankees, hit two against the Yankees. And we also took the series against Milwaukee as well. Pete should be our only all-star either way. But it's like, he'll be there. So that's cool. He leads the team in everything anyways. And he's the clutchest hitter on the team by far. This is the great thing about the Mets this year, though. The Mets are plagued with injuries. Right. We're still piecing together lineups. I think the Mets have had, what, 48 different starters at some point this season. 48 different players have been interjected into the lineup. Stop watching the four and five in the rotation. It's, <laughs> just, it's just brutal. But yeah, But I, I mean, and the Mets are still we're taking series against the Yankees. We're taking series against Milwaukee. The Mets are on their way up, man. We just got to stay healthy. Thor's uh, start got pushed back. It was supposed to be July. Now, who knows when it's going to be. But I will say, dude, not for nothing, though, it shows that this team's actually built correctly. I, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it shows they're a good team. I'm going to give you an opportunity to take back what you said on what do you say about Lewis Rojas. 
No, I still don't think he's that good of a manager, but he's doing a great job. He is. I don't think he's that great of a manager, but he's doing a great job. I mean, to be doing what he's doing with this lineup, to be where the Mets are without completely collapsing, I think is a pretty damn good job. I'm not going to take it back because I, we need to be tough on him. Okay. We can't okay. get too comfortable. All right. We're not, we just got to the break. Let it prove me wrong. Good. Please, please prove me wrong. I well, see, but here's, here's the other thing too, is that I think that the Mets are letting him actually manage this team, how he sees fit. Unlike what's happening on the other side of the city in the Bronx, where Aaron Boone is just, he's a puppet. Luis Rojas has always had great relationships with his players. He took the minor league teams to championships as well. He knows how to manage a game. I think he's doing a really good job. That's the point I was going to mention, Mage, is that he's a player's coach, and we always heard that he's a player's coach. I think you see it now more than ever. That's the one thing that's showing. You could tell he knows the players, like situationally, like lately. Like he knows when to pull the VR string. He knows when Pilar needs to bat in certain, certain situations in the lineup. He's manipulating Dom Smith, who was struggling and is now heating up. It's like he was, he was feeling the players out. So I will say he got a lot better at that. I'm not only that, too, Tino. I mean, we're not pulling our starters in the fifth and sixth innings. Yeah. I mean, uh, analytics would say otherwise. Mur Murph is quiet. We did this the last episode. It's been a while. Uh, I'm it's looking at the standings. I feel bad. Let's stop. Let's stop. No, it's I'm looking at the standings. You guys can be as excited as you want, but you're still not even a top 10 record in baseball. That's fine. We've also played less games than ever. Your fucking division blows. All we have to do is be first in our division. You're right. And How I'll give you that. Have we had, we had, I think this is our fourth cancellation in like two weeks. This is the same thing. It doesn't stop. Like, if you look at our offensive numbers, it's like they look like they're shit. And our offense isn't great. But at the same time, when you're playing less games than other teams, like it's going to affect your fucking statistics. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, like you guys are really only two games behind everybody. Dude, now. we're playing two less innings in all those doubleheaders too. So look at it from innings. We're playing seven instead of That's nine. Fair. And for the home team on most of these, we're not even getting those bottom of the seven ABs. So it's like, it's a whole thing, but I get it. Numbers are numbers. So it's cool. Um, I mean, y'all are at 11 right now. There's, there's 10 teams in front of you with better records. Than well, I mean, if you look at, if you're looking at wins versus losses, then yeah, because of what uh, I'm just looking at total overall records in the league. Do we right, have, though, if you're looking at standings, do we still have a positive run differential? Can you tell me that? Um, like, we have a plus or the minus. I'll I will say this, though. If you're looking at the NL, you're in the Mets, plus, have, plus three. Mets have the best or the fifth best win percentage. You see why I asked, Murph. You see why I asked. Plus three? I knew we were on the cusp of that, bitch. We, we yeah, but, like, everybody else is, like, plus fucking 75. Miami has the a hot plus 20 and has the worst record in our division. That's why that number is stupid. But you want to know the, the run differentials of your division? Philly's yeah. negative 21. Washington's the negative four. The Orioles are negative plus 120, dude. That's fucking awful. That is so bad. Yanks are minus three. But then the Which Orioles is actually surprising. I would think it would be worse. It just shows they play uh, play close games. I mean, the well, yeah, because they lose every game like three to zero. Or... That's why I figured it'd just be zero. But that means we won our last game. That's why we're plus three. We won. Before we move on to our next topic, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Clapback underscore Sports. Also follow our Instagram, where a middle aged man is learning how to Instagram all over again. So follow us there at Clapback underscore Sports. Follow Tino at Tino Rodriguez, double underscore at the end. Follow me at the mage underscore NFL. Guys, that was our little baseball stuff. People hate when we talk baseball. Tino, you got anything else to uh, finish that off? I do have something fun. You can, uh, this is, you know, we plugged what do you say earlier. You can plug your fantasy show. I'm on the clock in a startup dynasty league. We are in the 18th round. My pick is up, but you do have a fantasy show. Mage, it's fantasy season, isn't it? We do. It is called the Fantasy Football Shop. So if anybody wants to check that out, I know it's right now it's real slow, but it should pick up uh, come the fantasy football season. I want to hear the combo of this team, though. I, you guys will love to hear that. All right. Give us a give us a fantasy minute. Fantasy minute real quick. So um, I took McCaffrey first. I took my chance on Clyde uh, earlier. I went Kelsey and Clyde, I think, in two and three. And then so 
Quarterback went pretty quick. I ended up taking Rodgers as like my main guy and I got shitted on because he's old and no one knows if he'll play football. So I was like, ah, shut up, everyone. Because I had a plan all along that I was going to take Danny. But just in case someone wanted to take him before me, I took him in the- Dynasty or redraft? Dynasty. Okay. Super flex. Took Danny and then I took- So I took Golly first in 6'11 and then I took Danny at 7'2. So I took Golly where I wanted to and then reached for Danny to complete the stack. So I have the Kenny Golly stack, and I feel good about it. I feel good about it. I like it. it makes I almost feel, feel offended that I wasn't invited into this league, but it's okay. I'll send you pictures. You don't fucking need another league, bro. You have a problem. Oh, because I invite Tino. Tino's like, no, I don't want to be in any more leagues. It's because then I find out that Tino's in leagues behind my know. back. Which one? You deleted one. I was in one. I said I'll play. No, but you're in the other one. Okay, we, I don't we, even know. No. Why you we just haven't drafted for it yet? Yeah, we should yeah. draft. Let's just fucking draft, dude. <laughs> Calm <laughs> down. That's a key. We, keep keep some things fun for actual football season. Okay, okay. We'll wait. Speaking of keeper leagues and fantasies, how about Zach Wilson's mom, guys? Lisa Wilson. I I mean, if you want to consider her that, I mean, at this point, right? She's just Zach Wilson's mom. She's Stifler's mom, so she's the next next best thing to happen to the New York Jets. Ahead, I'm putting me. her all the way up there with the ranks of Adam Gase, um, Rex Ryan, you know, Woody Johnson. He's a clown in himself. So, you know, she's right there on Mount Rushmore of the Jets, man. She's the new, the new uh the new infiltrator. She's gonna wreck that place from the outside in. I gotta be honest, guys, until I saw this on Twitter, I saw the video, the most recent video of her saying like She's the reason she gets up out of bed. That was the first time I ever, ever even knew she had an Instagram. I really had no idea because she's like, my Instagram is so important. I swear, I, I just didn't know. I knew she was like a thing because of the draft, but like, I didn't know she like did this on Insta. So like, I still don't really get it, but she creeps me out. I'm just saying she's got the crazy eye. She creeps the shit out of me. No, she needs <laughs> don't she trust to her. say, trust her we're rooting for Lisa Wilson to destroy the New York Jets. And it's already started. I mean- Jokes aside, dude, that kid is fucked. Unless you put a muzzle on her and she is not going to stop, that shit smells dumpster fire. He openly admitted that his son wants to pay her to delete her account. Like, that's just fucked, man. That's Bro, she doesn't need the money. They come from money. They're, they're from the JetBlue family. Her, but like, it's the principal. It's your son. Like, dude, But that's my point. Is like, just, There's nothing to sway her to stop what she does. This shit ain't going away, dude. He's this going like to be LeVar. swinging from her side everywhere he goes in the media this season. Like, this shit is not going away. Who's worse? And I would say this is a bigger scale than any Apple because there's a political piece in it, too. So it captures a whole nother audience. LeVar Ball or uh, Zach Wilson? Yeah. Yeah. Like, which one's but worse? worse? Because she has fucking money already. That's true. She's not trying hey, to brand. She's not say, trying to brand. Say what you want about LeVar Ball. Because Lorenzo Ball was drafted. Lonzo. High, second Lonzo. overall. Your dad is showing. Uh, uh, Lonzo Ball, sorry. Yeah, Lorenzo. There's a lot of um, them. There's a lot of them. It's okay. And yeah. then what did he do? He said, you know what? The hell with college. I'll send my boys over seas to play. LaMelo was also a top five draft pick. So say what that's crazy that it worked ball. out like that. It did not defer and it deter anybody from drafting Lamelo. Yeah, but it definitely so, fucked over Leangelo. But the middle child, you know, it's just yeah, like Leangelo wasn't very good to begin with. It was. Well, it also kind of fucked up Lonzo's too. Got arrested overseas though. But it's literally two out of three. He's bad six sixty six. It's not too bad. Hey, listen, you know, not a great number, but <laughs> I mean, everybody said that he was, everybody said that he was going to be a, a, a head case with Lonzo Ball. And look, I mean, Lamelo, Lamelo right now is the star. He's better than even Alonso. So whatever, crazy. whatever Lavar did, it worked. So I, I'd rather have a dad like uh, Lavar Ball than a mom like Lisa Wilson. But here's my take on the whole Lisa Wilson thing. Your son comes to you. He is the quarterback of the New York Jets, largest city in the world, right? What, like as a parent. The people that you're helping get out of bed in the morning, is that that much more important than your son's career? Like, he doesn't need any other distractions. It just screams selfishness 
as a parent. How many followers does she have? Can can do any? Uh, yeah, I actually uh, I actually invited her on <laughs> the show. Too, that's you know? a question I haven't had answered yet, and I think it's important. I need to like concept this entire thing because it creeps me the fuck out. the The whole thing is not right. But you know what? They went. He went to BYU, so it she all has thirty four thousand nine hundred followers on Instagram. Uh, okay all right that's i'm sorry i'm not i mean dude, i have a thousand followers i'm not laughing at like the number it's just like to say people are getting up out of bed for you how many Thirty-nine thousand. Thirty-five thousand, pretty much that's a lot of pathetic ass people continue doing you mrs wilson continue wrecking that franchise it needs it and zach wilson sucks so it doesn't matter <laughs> all right boys i love you so much i mean do you really want to talk about the drug testing and the whole Olympics thing, Murph, or what? No. I mean, it sounds like you, uh, you've you been jerking off to some I've been jerking off to the here. Giants. I'm ready, dude. No, I, I, just think, I just think drug testing in sports is dumb, but also, like, you know what you're getting yourself into, too. So but we, don't, we don't need to go down that Look, alley. I mean, quite frankly, if it's illegal, don't do it. If you want to wait, participate wait, in it. Got, I got a comment. I got a statement on it. Uh Stay off the weed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I I think marijuana at this point, I mean, all leagues, all committees need to start adopting a looser policy regarding it. But at the same time, if you're going to participate in an event, you know the rules. Mate, so, the thing is, it's like, like, obviously, America is adjusting to it, but like you're playing on a global scale. So, like, obviously, the rule is dumb, but it's like you have to understand it's like, dude, you can like go to jail just for like even thinking about weed in, in some places for sure. Like, like, yeah, if you've traveled, I mean, you would know that. So, it's like that's the that's that's the underlining issue. And it's like, I don't know though, because at the same time, it's like with that said, it's like it's not like they're smoking weed there, you know what I mean? If she's smoking weed before, like it shouldn't be in the drug test, it shouldn't be in the drug test, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But at the same time, I understand why there's a rule for it in a global contest. That's that's and I'm sure those bylaws are ancient, fucking old, yeah. And changing those is probably a very heavy policy because you're dealing with how many nations? I mean, just because they can't be like, oh, the Americans can test positive for it because it's legal in America, but you know, the coaster or, I don't know, Puerto Ricans can't because it's illegal down there. I mean, you know, you can't just be like, well, that country is not allowed to smoke weed, but U.S. participants can't. And at the end of the day, man, she knew. And she accepted it, dude. Like, there's no harsh feelings about her. Like, she was cool with it. The bigger thing about all this is, guess what, guys? There's going to be no fans in the stands for the Olympics this year because yeah, it's still shut down. So, Speaking of drugs, Josh Gordon's back. Is he really? Well, he applied well, for reinstatement. Yeah, so he's going to be a giant soon because he's attached to Joe Judge. So, Whatever. All right, let's move on because <laughs> I'm excited to talk some Giants content. I'm going to give my boy Mr. Chris172 some credit here, also my partner on the Fantasy Football Shop. But he said, you know what? Everybody talks about why the Giants can't do something, about why the Giants aren't good, this, that, or the other thing. So he gave me an idea. He wanted to know. What can we look forward to about this offense this year? And guess what, guys? I looked into last year. I looked into uh, Jason Garrett a little bit more. I don't blame Jason Garrett as much as I think we should. Jason Garrett primarily ran an Air Coriel offense with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay? Now, I'm not expecting you guys to know, or maybe the audience might not know, but you guys know what the primary basis of the Air Coriel offense is and what it features? Big body wide receiver and pushing the ball downfield. Tino, coach? Uh, well, I was going to say it's pretty much spread, no? I, I mean, it's spread the field. <clears throat> so that's pretty much – so the Air Coriel offense, so one thing that it features most is motion. In its offense, the Giants were the team to use motions the least in the NFL last year. It features tight end motions, features running back motions. What does that do, Coach Tino? It allows the quarterback to recognize zone versus man defense pre-snap. Daniel Jones was figuring the shit out after the snap. They didn't do anything to give him any help, right? The other thing about the Air Coriel offense is that 
there's no set formation on the offense at any given time. It's just about it's about timing. It's about throwing to a certain spot on the field, not a player. This was something else that we heard about the lack of creativity last year with these Giants wide receivers. What else is an air choreo feature? It features two to three option routes per receiver. That means a wide receiver is allowed to change the initial call based on what the defense gives them. This is a problem with this, and that's why we saw just four curl routes last year. We didn't see a lot of creativity out of it. We didn't really have a whole lot of people or probably the right wide receiving core to run those option routes. We weren't running motions beforehand. Danny wasn't able to recognize a man versus own defense anyway. Now, the other thing, what does Air Coriel feature? So in all this that we already talked about, the deep pass is always the first option. And then they also and then they also uh, combine that with a deep to intermediate game, which I'm going to bring up in a few as well with one of the players that we should look for this year, and a power running game. Pass protection is critical, though, because it's based on deep routes. Your deep route is always the first option in an air Coriel offense. The Giants weren't very good with the offensive line. It never came to fruition, the air Coriel offense. And lastly, what does it need? It needs two fast wide receivers with an inside run game, plus an intermediate passing game with a tight end or a running back. These are the features of an air Coriel offense. All right. Questions before I move on? Anybody have any issues with that? I do have kind of a question, but it might take you off. I kind of just want to, like, think generally and just get to the – so do you think that it'll be better this year? I do. Thank you, Tino, for asking that question. What a great question. This is why we pay you the big bucks. The big bucks, dude. Get paid. So here's what I think happened last year in 2020 with the Air Coriel offense. Why did it go to shit? Why did this offense look so uncreative, etc.? We lost Saquon Barkley. All right. Well, Mage, that doesn't make any sense. One player shouldn't derail an entire offense. It's also based on two fast wide receivers. Darius Slayton was our one wide receiver. Who was the other one opposite Darius Slayton that was running a 4-3 or 4-4? We didn't really have anybody. Taking away tight end. Was a no one taking away Saquon Barkley and then Evan Ingram being as bad as he was, but he he was available for the whole season. I think losing Saquon Barkley in the second game derailed the Air Coriel offense. So we saw motion versus Pittsburgh. The Giants used motion versus Pittsburgh. I went back and I watched the game on Game Pass. I went back. I watched the condensed version. We used motion versus Pittsburgh. It stopped as the season went on. Why we could blame Jason Garrett is because anything outside of there, Cario wasn't very creative. He didn't use motion to to try to help Daniel out with that pregame, uh, with the pre-snap, uh, figuring out what the opposing defense was. I watched a few games. A lot of teams played cover one versus the Giants and stacked the box. They didn't have to do much. He didn't do anything to really help Daniel Jones. And also, to the the air attack wasn't very creative. They decided to go more with a run game, feature Evan Ingram, who led the team in targets last year. But that brings me to something else, Tino. And before I get on to your uh, other question, I will ask you guys this. Who do you think led the, led the team last year in deep passes, 20 yards or more? Who led the league? I'm uh, sorry. Who led the team? Who led the team? Who led the team in deep passes 20 plus yards? Like targets? I'd say Ingram. Slayton. Maybe Slayton. That'd be Slayton. Slayton is correct. You said targets or receptions? Targets. Yeah, I thought you said targets. You know who led the team in intermediate passing between 10 and 19 yards? Targets. Chef. No. Darius Slayton. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. Let's go to 2019. Those are actually the ones he dropped the most now that I think about it. It's why I black him out. <laughs> Let's go to 2019 when Pat Shermer was here. All right. Just so that we can compare offenses. 
Who do you think led the team in deep targets back in 2019? Don't tell me it was Tate. I don't know, but I'm on the clock and I want to take Shep. So, because he's like on the board. Was it Tate or Slayton? It was Darius Slayton, Murph. Who do you think led the team in intermediate passes between 10 and 19 yards in 2019? Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton. Good job, Murph. I'm glad that you got that one correct. You saw where I was going with this. Guys, the biggest beneficiary of this offense of adding Kenny Galladay is going to be Darius Slayton. That's why I asked the question on Instagram the other day. Darius Slayton will be the biggest beneficiary of adding Kenny Galladay. You drafting Sterling Shepard right now is disappointing when you should be drafting Darius Slayton. Is that available? But it is disappointing. There's not many other people on here. I could take AJ Green, but come on. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> Jamison Crowder. Perriman? Any love for Perriman? I mean, All right. uh, enough with your fantasy thing. Perriman's going to get a lot of reps. But so now let's get back to what this air Coriel offense is. It features two fast wide receivers. Murph, who did the Giants add this offseason? Kenny. Kenny. Who else? John Ross. John Ross, and a guy by the name of Kadarius Tony, correct? Yeah, but he's a bust. Uh, he's a, that's right, first he's round. Punt, punt. Re- punt returner. Punt returner, that's right. We, we took our punt returner in the first round. That's okay, though. The Giants went out and they added Kenny, uh, Kenny Galladay, who is a 6'4 target that can run a 4'4 as well. Darius Satan already runs a 4'3". We know what John Ross is. John Ross can run a 4-2, and Kadarius Tony, I believe, was a 4-3 also. Is that correct, Murph? Tony? Yeah. 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 4-3-4, so I believe. The Giants went out, and they added speed. They added speed. So another thing about this, tight ends. Tight ends that can catch a football motion. They went out, and they added Kyle Rudolph as well. Okay. Well, what about running backs that can do it all in case Saquon Barkley goes down? Inside run game, remember that? Being a feature of the Eric Correo offense? What did they do? They went out, they got Gary Brightwell, Devontae Booker, and they added Corey, uh, Corey Clement. Inside run game, Booker can catch as well. They went out and they added pieces around Jason Garrett's Air Correo offense. We are going to open this offense up big time this year, boys. If you don't look at the offseason acquisitions that the Giants made and think, holy shit, it actually fits what Jason Garrett's good at doing. So, you have a good, you know, you have something? Okay. Um, uh, I, I think everything we did fits. I'm here with you. I hear you out. And I love it. I'm just saying – he, I just still don't trust him, all right? And I'm glad you have confidence because you're right. We, we don't always talk about the positive. Like, okay, can Jason Garrett pan this out? I feel like most of the time we just come on here and we talk about how fucking terrified we are that he's going to fuck this up. But it's because we think all the pieces fit right. So I think you're right. I think it fits our offense very well. But I think he has to do a lot of those things consistently like you talked about. Like, this is all great, but if we get away from motions and we get away from things, getting Tony the ball in motion is something we talk about a lot on this show. It's something I want to see. Bringing him in the backfield, doing things. Look, I don't want Ingram reverses, but you can give uh, get Rudolph. You go 12 personnel and get uh, Ingram in motion going the other way and get him doing something crazy. You can do anything you want with that. He could be a lead blocker. I know he's getting better at blocking. So it's like the pre-snap motion is important. But you mentioned you got away from it as the season went on. So, you know, this is going to be a grind. I think the season's going to be a grind. I just hope more often than not, Garrett brings his best game. Like, I think we need to do those things to be successful. Well, you mentioned about Evan Ingram on the reverse. I know because it's traumatizing to you. But what do you think he was utilizing Evan Ingram? Who oh, else yeah. is he going to use? Oh, yeah. yeah, nobody Deion else. Lewis. Darius Slayton was spreading the field, which is a feature of the Air Coriel. It features two wide receivers downfield, Opposite sides to help spread the field. He had nobody else. I really do think that Saquon Barkley derailed what this offense or what he envisioned this offense to be. I also do, though, Saquon Barkley aside, though, like it, it might have fucked it up. I do think, though, like even with Saquon last year, I don't know if we necessarily had the guys to 100% run this offense. I so agree. Whereas you can now justify when you break it down to this point that taking Tony in the first makes a fuck ton of sense then. 
because you have the gadget guy that you're talking about. You need to stretch defenses. You want to generate these fucking mismatches and widen these linebackers out to one, create holes for Saquon. That's the biggest reason because that's going to be the key to this offense. But you just stretch the offense. You just literally just bring the play that's so condensed. Our offense was so condensed last year to now we're going to have lanes. And so, yeah, I mean, the Tony and Galladay signings, it's just like, you know, getting those guys, John Ross, get John Ross in space too. It's like you get those speed guys because it fits the offense. I don't know last year if we even could have could have done it. But to what you're saying, yeah, I think we're fit. I think we're fit to have success. Well, I Tino, so. we talked about this pre-draft, didn't we? We talked about the addition of Kenny Galladay on one side, John Ross on the other side. I said that I wanted Waddle f- for the exact reason you just mentioned. The air Coriel Fitch is two fast guys downfield, spread offense, right? That's what you talked about. Why? So that the faster guys can work underneath the field. Or you have the tight end or you have the running back that also goes in motion that can also play outside as well. That's what I think they really have this year. So let me ask you something. Murph, what was the Giants record last year? Six and ten. Six and ten. All right. So Jason Garrett in his last year as the Dallas Cowboys head coach averaged 27 points a game. All right. That's a it's a high number. Let's set some more realistic expectations. The two seasons before that, he averaged 21 and 22 points a game. The Giants lost. Oh, I'm sorry. The Giants averaged last year 17 and a half points per game. Okay. You guys follow me on this? There were four games the Giants lost by less than four points. Yeah, because we had that tracker going, remember? Because that goes all the way back to 2018. Four points in there. How many? We lost like, I think it was up to like 12 games in the second half of the year or second half of the, the game in the, the last Giants three lost, years. The Giants lost four games last year by four points or less. So when we look through this, it was the Chicago game. The Giants lost 13-17. All right. Then the Giants lost to the Cowboys, 34-37. They lost to Philly, 21-22. And they lost to Tampa Bay, 23-25. I mean, some of those games were less less than three points. So the Air Coriel offense that, let's say, Jason Garrett featured before his best season with the 27 points, the Giants are averaging 22 points a game next year. That's the difference between being a 6-10 and 10 team and a 10-6 and 6 team, that additional four points per game. I really do think it's possible. I think they gave Jason Garrett everything he needed this year to run his offense and said, it's on you now, Ginger. Go do it. I, I'm really not worried about it, man. That was a Murph moment, but it's like, yeah, I mean, you could have just said what you said again because it's what I've been saying too. It's like if we get to 21, 22 points a game, it's it. That's all we need to do. That's it. Like we would have, if we got that last year, if we were able to do that and just gain those three, four points per game, it changes the season. Like that's, we're not asking for the moon from this guy. Like that's why it's like, yeah, he has all the pieces. Like he just needs to not, like, I mean, he needs to not fuck it up. That's why we always talk about it. But I'm positive. I like what you're saying. I like what you're saying. Let's face it. This Giants defense next year might be the best defense that Jason Garrett's ever had. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy. Well, and also, like, we all had a bad taste in our mouth when we just signed Jason Garrett, right? It was it was over from the start. I mean, let's you be did. real. I huh? You did. I didn't. I was the, just happy he wasn't head The coach. fan base was not happy. They're not thrilled. There was no one excited. Mage whatever you're still wrong and so is our boy ryan y'all are still wrong until he figures it out but we all had that just disdain for him just from being a cowboys coach right then you go to week one we're fucking playing right with the steelers i mean we're playing good football in that first half of the game saquon misses a few blocks danny makes a couple mistakes but we're still playing good football and then what is it the second offensive drive in the chicago game saquon's gone this whole fucking world got thrown upside down, man. So I know I, I know we've been using the Saquon excuse, Saquon this, Saquon that. 
Saquon doesn't even have to touch the fucking ball, just like we say all the time. I don't even expect Saquon to have to touch the ball for the first couple of weeks. Just him standing there is going to open up the rest of this offense. Perfect. You, so it's I know, really I, hard. I know you love Booker, but mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that's why Booker was brought in, so that if Saquon misses any time, I don't think this offense skips a beat. I'm really high on Booker. I'm really high on what he can do as a runner, as a pass catcher at a backfield. I know this devalues a second overall pick. <laughs> But I think he was brought in for that reason. And then they drafted Gary Brightwell. Corey Clement can also catch the ball. Look, man, I mean. I, I, I agree with you. I'm fine with Booker handling a small workload to start. But again, give fucking Booker the workload and just get Saquon in there for 10 to 12 plays. Just stand there. And that's just going to help Danny as is. Because you know what? Yeah, Booker, I have confidence in him. He's going to hit you in the mouth. He's going to take contact on and He's going to catch the balls too, but he's not going to threaten a defense that changed their scheme from the first play of the game like Saquon is. And just Saquon could never amount to anything, but this year we could literally use him as a decoy and nobody knows. I mean, Jason Garrett's world got turned upside down big time week two last year. It didn't get better. I have my concerns, but just like everything else, like the O-line, I got to trust Joe, man. And if Joe really, really, really didn't want Jason Garrett back, I have a feeling he won't have him back. I think, honestly, it, it, I kind of sound like a broken record at this point, but it's evident by every single thing they did this offseason that they put everything on Jason Garrett's shoulders to and said, hey, it's your job to go out there and succeed. Every single player they got, every single player they went after, the draft, I think they did – they gave him absolutely no excuses to not run the offense the way that he sees it. That's what good management does, right? I mean, Gettleman's been known to get his guys his guys. It just has never fucking worked out for us. I mean, Gettleman did anything Shermer asked, did anything Betcher asked, and he's carried on that trend to Joe – and I know it's a different uh, approach with Joe than it was with the previous coaches, but that's what good management does. And I mean, I don't think it's any secret that like the fucking hot seat's on for everyone. Like, yes, I love Joe. I don't want Joe fired. I don't want Danny can, but like those noises will start. Joe being fired, that will be brought about if this doesn't get turned around. I mean, and, don't y'all? I, I, I think Joe has another season. But that, that doesn't matter, man. We're the New York market. It's coming. You don't flip it around quick in New York, you're kicked to the curb. Granted, I know he's not going anywhere. I don't want him to go anywhere. But this team starts 0-4. We all know. We've seen it before. The noises are just going to continue to get louder. I also want to bring this up to Murph because I know this guy's your boy. Um, Tino, too, I think. But – I don't think Shepard's here after this year. I really don't. I just, I'm telling you, I just think Shepard just gives me the vibes that he'll never wear another uniform. I, I mean, it, 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 he probably won't be playing on that contract. I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I just don't see how he fits you, in. The you office. better hope Kadarius Tony is Kadarius Tony, man. You better fucking hope because if not. At this point, I'm being dead honest. No, I know. I, so. It, it, our boy, Mr. Chris, asked me, he's like, how many touches do you think Kadarius Tony gets a game? Four or five? They don't need him to be a feature in this offense. They don't. No, if but he needs get, to produce. If they get Kadarius Tony four to five touches a game, I mean, and then it, let's assume that he's going to either be our punt returner or kick returner, that's enough out of him. You don't need him to do anything. Outside of that, I do think I think Darius Slayton is the number two wide receiver here in this offense. I think it's Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, Shepard will get a majority of snaps in the slot, and I think they'll start to sprinkle in Tony. If Shepard leads the team in receptions again, Slayton has got to get the fuck out of here, and I'm not going to be Shepherd very confident. Or Ingram. Didn't he Ingram lead in targets? He led in targets, yeah. Or targets, yeah, not yeah. receptions. Yeah. Didn't Shep lead the wide receivers in receptions? Pretty yeah. Sure. I, Regardless, if if Slayton can't keep up with Shep, get the fuck out of here. 
I mean, I, I know I get it. I get it from an age perspective. I get it from an injury perspective and I get it from a contract perspective, but the man fucking produces. Yep. He produces. 66 receptions on 90 targets. He probably, he fucking produces. And they're on the team in targets too. So I'm, I'm with you. Like, I don't think that contract stands, but I don't see the benefit of getting rid of him unless your dream comes true. And one of those two just completely set the world on fire. But I mean, going into the year next year with Darius Slayton, Tony, and 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 Galladay without one of them actually having a really good year again. I mean, if Slayton doesn't turn it around, he may never ever. I mean, eight TDs is for his rookie year, but you see that. I'm I'm not going to take credit for this, but Matt said this. Matt said, "Do you find it odd they drafted Kadarius Tony? Joe Judge didn't call Darius Slayton." He didn't call anybody else. I was there. He called Sterling Shepard. Why did he again? Again, he's the only to me personally. He's the only person in that entire wide receiver room that has a confirmed job right this second. Darius got to earn it. I mean, Darius has got to fucking earn it. Like I'm, I'm sick of this shit with like you, dude. He didn't. Produced last year. It's the drops. That's all it is. It's the yeah. yeah. Like it's yeah. not a change, and especially after everything you just wrote me or just read me about his his targets over the last two years, he better get his hands right. Well, the he problem with that though too is is that also when you're targeting a player, ten to twenty yards downfield, the accuracy tends to fall. So well, we have the best deep accuracy passer in the NFL. Yeah, but what I'm saying though is. <laughs> Some of those targets, uh, two receptions, don't always translate as well because all you simply do is look at number of targets, number of receptions, you divide that, that's your catch rate. And it is really low. I mean, it's at 52%. His true catch rate is like 75%, something like that, which is still even a little low. But, I I, I mean, if you just look at the way they utilized Darius Lee in the last two years, even with Pat Shermer, I don't think Darius Slayton's going away, man. I I like to knock Slayton because he's dropped some big balls and some big moments. He's ghosted against some good competition when we really needed him bad, and I know he was injured. But again. Yeah, but Murph, guess what? The best part is about having Kenny Galladay on the other side is he's not drawing the opposing team's cornerback one anymore. Can I finish my statement? No. Um, I, I think Slay can do it. But Slay, was, he was always an extra, man. He was a fifth-round pick for a reason. So if it works out, great. But I, I, I'm not putting all my eggs in the basket on it. I mean, Cruz was on. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with Danny, man. Like I want Danny to work out so bad, and he he lit the world on his lit the world on fire his rookie year. But it's kind of the same story with him and Slayton this year. Like if they don't turn it on, I try to be positive, and you take us to a negative place. No, I, I, I need to stop giving Slade shit because I give him as much shit as I give Ingram. And they're not, they're a lot different because one's a first-round pick who's a complete bust and one's a guy that's overachieved expectations. And I think that's part of the reason that Slay kind of gets the rep he gets is because he's another one of those guys that was forced into a role way too early in his career, and it might not benefit him. It's tough love, Mage. That's all it yeah, is. I like Slade. I mean, I think Slade – no excuses. We already said it. No excuses. But he's he's got to catch those balls. Yeah, in those look, big coming out of the gates, every opportunity. What you said is right. But we need week one, Darius Slayton catching that play in Pittsburgh. Again. <laughs> Against Pittsburgh. That's what we need. There's no issues. And he'll be your guy, and everyone's going to be happy about that. But if, like you talked about, like those intermediate routes, man, he struggled. When he would toe-tap the sideline, he could never complete one of those catches. Like for a first By the day, way, not to um, I also looked uh, up uh, Daniel Jones as well, too, Tino. Do you know where Daniel Jones had his highest quarterback rating and highest efficiency passing? I don't know. but Is it Pittsburgh? It would make sense. If it was well, not game, but when you talked about Darius Satan over the middle, his highest efficiency was when targeting players over the middle of the field. Yeah, because he's got killer accuracy pinpoint. So that Darius Slayton play comes to mind, the uh, one Dante Pettis late on in the year. That's also kind of a knock on Danny, though, too. He does try to fit balls into tight windows a lot. Uh, the Evan Ingram pass last year against Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, Golden Tate, too, also worked on the inside. 
Yeah. There are a few plays I can think of with Golden Tate on the inside. Dude, I, I, you want to know the thing is, too? I mean, last year, especially when you think about it, I mean, Danny did try to air the ball out, like, but it was forced. So it led to as much as he was, like, you know, a great deep ball accurate passer, like, a lot of his misses were just, like, ugly ducklings. Like, they just weren't very close. So, like, they're – like, we need to protect him. We could circle this back to the O-line if you really want to get into that because that's what all this is going to take. You want to talk about what would derail us. It's the O-line. about that with the Eric yeah. right? I mean – What's the first option in, in the Eric Oreo offense? A deep pass. What do you need it to be able to throw the ball deep? One, you need protection. Two, I mean, motion will help so he knows what type of defense he's facing pre-snap. Is it a zone defense or is it a man defense? Man defense, then at least you know that you probably got the one-on-one, right? Whereas if it's a zone defense, you're probably going to not take the, the chance on the overtop. Uh, unless, of course, it is a cover one. But if they're playing a cover two, cover three, you know, they, I, I, I haven't been able to find the statistics, but I'd say that the Giants even faced a lot of cover zero last year because of the offensive line. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, they're, we, we know the story. Danny was the most pressured quarterback in the NFL. I mean, that's nobody had any game plan for us and they blitzed the shit out of us. They didn't need to. They had no threats. So the problem is this year, you can't play the cover zero because then what are you going to do? You're going to leave Kenny Galladay on an island with the quarterback one, or that's where a guy like Darius Slayton or Kadarius Tony comes in because they can help spread that offense. So, uh, you know, I'm excited. Uh, Doing some of the research on this, looking at what some of the positives for this offense could be. I got to tell you guys, I'm pretty excited about this offense. Because when I look at all the transactions that we made all offseason, it really does speak to being a higher volume passing attack with more shots downfield deep, which was Danny's best attribute last year. So I'm predicting over 4,000 yards for Daniel Jones. I think the Giants also want everybody to think that they're just going to be a run-only team. Just to go ahead and match up with match up with what – I, I really do. I think they want everybody to think that they're going to be like a Tennessee team. They're going to prefer to run the ball and they're not going to want to give their quarterback the ball, put the ball in the air. And I think, you know, as us as Giants fans, we know that's not true. Because anything you really read from outside sources is this offense is going to be centered around Saquon, Saquon only. Danny's just going to have to be a game manager. And like you said, I think they got bigger plans than that. It's, it's funny, though, because, like, Danny isn't, like, exactly a game manager. Like, that's – like, he never has been. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that was more, like – as much as he's a like Eli, like, that's the part where I necessarily haven't seen Danny do yet. I haven't seen him manage a game down the stretch. Like, that's the one test, I think. But we haven't been competitive enough to see it. So, you know, in his defense, he hasn't had the opportunities. But, like, the thing with Danny is just, like, his fucking ceiling is, like – I mean, dude, if they just let the guy throw the ball – like, I mean, we've said this forever – just like we don't even know what's there. We saw the rookie year. We haven't seen 16 games yet. It's like from the outside looking in, it's like even with this injured Saquon, you should think more like they're going to try to take the roof off with Danny. I mean, they got to try, especially with Golly now. John Ross, don't like they're going to try to take the top off. They have to. And if they can, Saquon's going to feast. Holy shit, is Saquon going to feast? If teams got to worry about the deep ball against the Giants, man, Saquon. Literally might put up the McCaffrey season. Like he might go a thousand a thousand. I know he was close his rookie year, but he might. He fucking might. So if I, we do I, I agree with you, Tino. I, I think honestly, um I, I think they didn't do any favors for Daniel Jones, like we talked about with the pre-snap reads um early on in the season. But as the season progressed, he got more vocal, his cadence changed, he was able to draw opposing uh defensive linemen off sides. He got more confident at the line. I think last year is probably the worst season we're going to see out of Daniel Jones. Like, so like, I guess the better way I was thinking about it, he's not a game manager. He's a gamer. Like Danny's the term gamer. Like the dude's just out there balling. He's going to run and not slide because not like Eli didn't know how to slide. It's like Danny, I've from everything I've heard from this kid since high school, like he wants to take a hit. Like, so like dude's a football player. So like, I, I don't know that, Danny just needs to just be let loose. He's a gamer, but like, let the kid play. Let, ball last year. let, the kid play. let him play. Just let let him play. play. That's it. Help him. Fucking help him. The, the one, well, two concerns, but again, 
uh, now that I'm thinking about it, it points to what the air choreo is, but I still, I'm still concerned about this offensive line. I hope that they get it figured out. The thing that I like about this offseason is that the offensive line spend a lot of time together. There's a camaraderie there, and you know this, Tino, from playing sports and coaching sports. You don't want to let the other man down, right? It becomes a brotherhood. You feel like a failure if, you know, somebody takes a sack. They take it more personal, and they've been spending a lot of time together. The other thing is, too, yeah, Tino. I just, like, for me, it's, like, even with that aside, like, I, I want to see, like, that's why I'm, I'm like, excited for preseason. Like, I know we talk about it's whatever. I know you guys don't really love it. Like, I, I want to see this unit play together. Like, camaraderie off the field is great. I need to see their communication. Look, motions and all that stuff is good. Like, being able to, like, pick up blitzes is great. But, like, like Danny's can only do so much. They got to communicate that and, like, vocalize, like, on the line itself. We need a leader on the line. Who's the leader? I mean, Nick Gates got attitude, but, like, who's the leader? Nick Gates isn't a leader of our offensive line. No way. Like, who the fuck is the captain? You know what I mean? Who's fucking daddy on the offensive line? I couldn't tell you. Honestly, if you asked me last year, I relied on Zeitler the most. Like, if you told me who was the most, like, leadership, you know, dependent on that line, I'd probably turn to Zeitler. So, we need to we need to find a new voice on the offensive line. We really do. So, I don't know. I certainly think it could be Nick Gates. Nick Gates is going to be the center. So most vocal, he'll be able to call but his out play, his play better show it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no one wants, like, a vocal leader. And I know he's center, and that's great. But, like, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, and that's why I went to Zeitler. Like, the dude's play spoke for itself more often than not. Like, lead by example. Like, that's what you have to do more on the offensive line. Like, like. Well, this also comes down to Danny and Cohen. I don't need you to yell at people. We need to get the job done. We need to know assignments. You, like, acting tough is only going to get us so far. You know what I mean? But this also comes down to Danny as well. How many times did we hear Eli say um, at the line, 54 is a mic, 54 is a mic. Eli's got to be able to, or uh, Eli, <laughs> Danny's got to be able to help out his offensive line and his running back as well by identifying who the mic is, et cetera, calling out certain protections or, you know, audibling or switching protection going from so, his right side to his left. Before you go into the next com- conversation, I want to ask you this because it kind of goes along with that. Do we think that the motion last year from the wide receivers is because Danny wasn't putting them in motion? Um, I, I, I think that comes back to Jason Garrett not really realizing or not knowing how to utilize this offense. I, I think he just tried to minimize Danny's turnovers. And uh, I, I, I think this team was just a lost cause last year. Um, because I know from the year before, a big thing with Danny was the audibles at the line and scrimmage, so it just kind of made me think, you know, I wonder if that's something that he struggles with, not only Jason. Let's face it, everything that we've seen out of Daniel Jones, he seems like a pretty smart guy, graduated from Duke. Um, I, I think that audibles or, you know, is something that he's able to handle at the line. I don't think it's like, you know, it's above him. I don't think we're dealing with um, – you know, a, a uh, Dwayne Haskins situation. Can I just, I just saw some funny news and uh, this will circle back to a topic earlier today, but uh, James Harden was stopped by police in Paris. I saw that. Was arrested. That's just great. He was with a little baby who got detained uh, for trying to bring 20 grams of weed, or, or as they say, cannabis uh, in this article. And yeah, good for him, man. Off season form. Good for him. You know, I heard weed's great for hamstring injuries, so. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Continue, continue. Yeah, no, I forgot where else I was going with that. But, uh, you know, I, I think that they're just going to unleash the air Coriel this year. Um, I think it's going to certainly benefit. Oh, yes, I talked about the offensive line. I, uh, my second concern was, but then when I look at the type of quarterback that they brought in, it scares me because Danny hasn't played 16 games yet in his career. Is Mike Lennon really a guy that's going to step in and win games. So again, I was having a conversation with Mr. Chris. He asked me this. I said, but when you look at Mike Lennon as a quarterback, he's the opposite of what Colt McCoy was, right? Colt McCoy was kind of the guy that you want to be a game manager. I think Mike Lennon with the arm that he has, Mike Lennon has a rocket for an arm. It's not going to change what the air Coriel can do on this offense. You can insert Mike Lennon in it. You can still take those deep attempts downfield, stretch the field, and then play the underneath game as well. So 
I Mike Lennon kind of scares me just because we haven't seen Danny play a full season. But I think he's a guy that you can insert in this offense and not have the offense skip a beat. Glad you're confident with Mike Lennon because I'm not, but I'll take it. I know what you mean. I mean, completely different quarterback from from Colt, but ain't moving the needle for me, dude. Hey, Felt look, a lot I, more trusted with Colt, but that's just I, I, I would have preferred the Giants take a quarterback in the in the draft and try to develop a backup quarterback. Um, I still don't think we got the backup quarters uh, quarterback situation figured out. Again, I'm just looking at things from a different perspective. I'm looking at Mike Glenn and what he can do in terms of the offense. I think they want to run, and he doesn't limit them with that down the field passing. So, I think they like this Clayton Thorson kid too. Seems like they've been keeping him around. That's yeah. the only three quarterbacks on the roster, right? I think it's just them. They cut Joe Webb. Yeah, they cut Joe Webb. So we can expect another arm to come in. I'm sure, but. Well, we'll see. The Eagles have 16 quarterbacks on their roster. So. Yeah, because they don't know who the fuck their quarterback is. Tino, I'm sorry. Are we keeping you awake? Are we boring you? Man, work stinks. You know, it's tough. <laughs> uh, doing the work day. And then so for the people at home, we're taping this pretty late, but we got it done. We were supposed to do this on Monday. And, you know, stuff happens. And here we are Thursday night. But the grind doesn't stop. And I'm glad we were able to put something out for the people. You know, it was yeah. all I, I have one more take on Saquon, and I guess I'll propose this question, and then we can kind of end it on that. We don't necessarily have to go that deep into it, but people are still crying about Saquon Barkley being the second overall pick in 2018. So I put out a question today is, I wonder if people would still feel the same about Saquon Barkley if he was the second overall pick in the 2021 uh, draft, Right. And the reason for that is because the Giants would have already drafted their quarterback by then. They would have already addressed the offensive line issues. They would have drafted Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, Matt Pert. So with the offseason acquisitions of Kenny Galladay, Dory Jackson, all the money they spent this offseason, I feel like fans would be drooling at the idea of adding a player like Saquon Barkley to this offense. Fans still didn't agree with me on that simply because he was the second overall pick, positional value. But look, guys, my point is at the end of the day, I don't think it matters how you get there as long as you get there. As Giants fans, we all want to see this team win. We want to see them in the playoffs. If Saquon Barkley was the second overall pick in 2018 or second overall pick in 2021, as long as he contributes to this team and they're a playoff team, I don't think anybody's going to care where he was picked. I I never cared, so. It's, it's the usual suspects. Yeah, Again, yeah. we just fucking talked about it, dude. I mean, like, he can just stand there, and our, we have a whole different offense than the entire, what, 14 other games last year. Like and Murph, it's ironic to me that the people that hate the Saquon Barkley pick seem to be the biggest Odell Beckham stands. Always. Odell Beckham was drafted one pick ahead of Aaron Donald. Why does nobody ever look at that draft with a revisionist history? Because he is a cool catch, and we were a mediocre team that was ignited by him for three years. Oh, but we needed a wide receiver, though. Oh, well, just like we could have taken Nick Chubb in the second round, we could also drafted Devontae Adams and Allen Robinson in the second round of 2014. So let's have that conversation because this, I think you left after this when this came up when we were having a Saquon one earlier. But let's say we took Quentin Nelson instead in 2018. That doesn't change anything for me right now, dude. Does it make our line good? Maybe. Makes our line better. Sure. Does it make our line jump from 31 to 16? Absolutely not. Because it's a unit, first of all. He's not a tackle. The Colts had a couple had Costanzo, if I remember correctly, already at left tackle when they drafted Nelson. So you already had your foundation over there. I just don't see how having even Quentin Nelson on this roster currently would change anything. 
considering the fact that well i think the argument there is if you the were value. if you were going to give eli another year why not fucking protect him and i get that i i get that but i don't care about that anymore i'm i've you're right eli, well, eli's right. gone and i'm just thinking about today and i'm thinking about preseason coming up and i was thinking about saquon let's say devonte booker is our lead back and you quit quit nelson at left guard I don't give a fuck. I'm well, still right scared. Now, I'll tell you what, I'd certainly take Andrew Thomas and Quentin Nelson. Well, I, I, I agree, that line. But you can't sit here and tell me you're not still skeptical about the line. Well, not only that, too. What about player development? Yeah. It, I mean, is Quentin Nelson still Quentin Nelson in New York? Is Aaron Does Aaron Donald still become the best defensive player in the NFL in New York? We don't know. It's revisionist history. It's great. But, hey – Everybody wants to claim that we passed on certain guys because of Saquon Barkley. Oh, we could have taken Quentin Nelson. We could have taken uh, uh, Bradley Chubb. We passed on Aaron Donald for Odell Beckham, who's not even here anymore. He's not even playing at the same caliber or same with the same type of talent that he did when he was with New York. His best seasons are behind him. Aaron fucking Donald would at least still be here. Yeah, we paid him a boatload of money, but guess what? It'd fucking be worth it. Why is nobody ever upset about that? The best quote I saw today was Positional I'd rather have, I'd rather them have just taken Darnold and Ro- or Rosen and have it failed. I would have been okay with it knowing that they got the positional value right. That's unbelievable. Like get the fuck out of here. There's only literally one other pick, in my opinion, that probably could have been better. I'm just not buying the Quentin Nelson thing, man. I know he's a beast, but I'm just not buying that from the state of our team and Josh Allen. That's it. That's it. I I mean, and from the positional value standpoint, I get it, right? Right. With, with the with the top draft picks in the in the NFL draft, you want to take those most elusive positions, right? No one's no one's releasing left franchise left tackles. No one's releasing franchise quarterbacks. So that's why the draft is important. That's where you got to take them. But it's not the end-all, be-all, though. Fuck, fuck positional value. Teams don't even abide by that shit anymore. I'm so I, sick I mean, of that shit. But where were the positional value police in 2014 when we took Beckham? Fuck, were they this year? The entire first ten picks were all. Where were the positional value police when we took Evan Ingram in the first round? I, I get it, and I get it, and that comes with the times. Probably not as much media, no Twitter as much. But bro, just look at the the last draft, and then look at the rest of the teams around the league. Look at the Bengals. Look at the Dolphins. Yeah, but we're not Bengals fans, so we don't know what their fan base is saying. They could be bitching about the same I don't care about what their fan base is saying. I'm saying from a strict positional value standpoint, if you're talking about players being drafted in certain spots, almost every single player in the top ten that isn't a quarterback from this last draft would have been considered overdrafted. We talked about that, how stupid the Bengals were for passing on Penesuo. Bengals, Eagles. I mean, the only people that really probably won in the first round, if you want to go by positional value in the top ten – are the people who took the quarterbacks and the cornerbacks. Everyone else failed. Lions hit gold. Wow. default. Took a tight end at four. Horrible. That is probably one of the worst fucking top five picks that you could even argue any position <laughs> value on. Like, why? Why? Like, that should be the most criticized pick. But – like they're literally almost in the same state as the Giants too. Like they have old players, they're going into a rebuild, and they took generational talent, Murph. Okay, but Saquon Saquon doesn't get the same credit, even though he had probably the highest draft score of any prospect coming out of the NFL draft. We were able to compete. The Falcons aren't competing with fucking JV high school. At the at the end of the day. I think all Giants fans will agree. We all want to fucking win. We all do. I'm just fucking sick and tired of living in the past, hearing about 2018, three years later. My goodness. Like, I just block it out, as you guys know. I can't even, like, I want to jump not in. even on Twitter. You're you're the smartest one of the three but of it's us. Not, it's not just Twitter, man. It doesn't matter what no, yeah, those you go to. Anything that has Saquon on it, there's negative comments about him being overdrafted 
And I mean, look, you can people can give him the injury prone tag after this year if he doesn't make it. I'm okay with that. But overdrafted, get the fuck out of here. You see it on Facebook, you see it on Instagram. It doesn't matter. It's not just Twitter. It's it's the sports world. I hear from my Redskins buddies. I hear from other NFL fans. But it's funny because everybody fucking loves Saquon. But it was a horrible pick, right? But we all know with the excitement in the NFL, the fantasy community, there's there's certainly going to be a lot of a group that love him for the same reason that they loved Odell Beckham. So, but I'm with you. I'm excited about this upcoming giant season. Guys, I think I did enough to invigorate the fan base with the Air Coriel. What do you think? I hope so, man. I mean, you got me back on to believing in Darius Slayton, but you better be right because I'm going to tear you to shreds when you know it. I you never get me back on the Evan Ingram boat. Yeah. Oh, Evan Ingram, that's it. He's done that for himself. Yeah, I never didn't believe in Darius Slayton. It's just like, you know. Then leash. That's all. Hey, listen. I, yeah, I won't give up on him. I, I I haven't given given up on him. I won't give up on him. I'll give him a few weeks. But if he drops the ball, I'm gonna be p- fucking pissed. Be See, pissed it, it's not even just Darius Slayton, right? I, I I'm just excited because it looks like all the puzzle pieces are starting to fit with all the offseason moves that they made. It looks like it's starting to fit what the Air Coriel is, which is what Jason Garrett wants to run. With that, I'm just excited. I'm hoping for five additional points per game. Five additional points last year would have been the difference between six and ten and ten and six. That's all I'm saying. Take the over. Take the over. I love it. Guys, glad that you're back. I'm glad to be back. I feel revigorated. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Clapback Sports. Peace and love, everybody.